Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a special edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. This episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar is uh, a great tasting protein bar. It tastes nothing like those gritty, ugly protein bars that you taste out there in the market. Really good stuff. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And on today's show, I've been promising you this now for for a couple weeks at least, a fan appreciation type of podcast. And uh, originally I was planning to do this all in one week, but because of scheduling and whatnot and other stuff that I had to do, I'm going to do these fan appreciation segments one at a time. And today is going to be one of them. It's going to be our first one. And up first, I'm proud to and pleased to welcome on the program Joseph Zampella. He is from uh, Central New Jersey, a longtime Giant fan, sent me a very, very nice uh, letter about his fandom of, of the Giants. And Joseph, very, very happy to have you on the program. Patty, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be doing this. Well, uh, I appreciate you listening. I know you're a longtime listener of the podcast. And uh, if you're ready to talk giant football, let's pull up a chair. Let's sit down, get comfortable, and let's talk a little giant football. And uh, Joe, let's start off. Tell everybody, first of all, a little bit about yourself, You know what you do for a living, how long you've been a giant fan, how you became a giant fan. Well, I'm 39 years old. I'm a, I manage an optical business. Um, as far as my Giants fandom, that started uh, with my father. I remember uh, as early as eight years old. I was born in 1981. So 1989, my first game that I really watched intently uh, was the Flipper Anderson game. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. My, my dad was saying going into it, you know, this is a playoff game. You know, this, if they lose here, they go home. They're expected to win. We should beat this team. And the whole game, I'm like, all right, well, we're not winning. We're not winning. And then Flipper Anderson caught that ball and ran into the tunnel. And that is etched in my memory forever. And then from there on out, you know, I was, I was hooked, you know, to see my father's passion and um, just watching every game with him. That, that's what really brought me into, you know, the New York Giants. It's, it's passed down from my father to me. You mentioned the Flipper Anderson game. You know, it's so funny. On yesterday's podcast, Throwback Thursday, I did the most gut wrenching losses in, <laughs> that I, I remember, and and there have been a lot. And right up there at number one is that Flipper Anderson game. Oh, I oh, just think about it and many. I go crazy. <laughs> I go crazy. So you've been going to uh, to games, I, I guess, since Giant Stadium and whatnot. I mean, what do, what do you like about you know going to the Giant games and just being part of that atmosphere? Well, it's just good number one tailgating with everybody. It was always a family affair. Um, my grandfather, my father, and myself, we would go. The first game I really went to, I think, was um, a year later. I think it was in 1989 when the Giants played the Eagles in the divisional game. I think it was in December. It was about 20 below zero. That's the one where Randall Cunningham set the, the record for the longest punt. I think it was 90 yards or something like that. We had tickets on the 50-yard line. And my dad's like, we got to go because I'm never going to get this ever again. So we went, we bared it. I remember I was wearing a snowsuit. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there on out, um, you know, we were able to get tickets to other people over the years. I've been through many, many games. But um, that's the one I, I remember the most is my first. But, um, yeah, 
something that we really enjoy and something we always did together. You know, yeah, that brings up memories, too, of my first uh, giant game. I used to go, um, I want to say it was about, let's see, it was 79. So how old was I? A little over 10. I was born in 68. So I was, what, 11 years old. And I was actually there for Phil Simms' first start. And uh, wow. it was in 1979. I think it was like the fifth or sixth game of that season. And I remember going with my dad. My dad used to go with a friend of his, and he had four seats in – it was the old Giants Stadium, Section 131. And he had two seats in row 18, and then he had the other two seats on the aisle. I think it was row 24. So he would always take the ones up close, and my brother and I would sit in the ones on the aisle, which was fine with me because I like aisle seats. And I just remember that first game, Phil Sims. I mean <laughs> – Boy, what a game to go to, right? Absolutely. Historic. <laughs> Absolutely. And and of course, you know, just going with, with, with your, you know, with your family. And that's that's kind of how I got my start with Giant football. You know, my father, a longtime Giant season ticket holder, he used to do the Yale Bowl and he was there for the fumble. And I tell this story a lot on on the podcast. Um, you you may or may not remember it. Um, you might have read about it or whatnot, but my father was there for the fumble. And he said, and he came home that day furious. And it was the first and only time I think he ever wrote a letter to <laughs> Wellington Mara at the time. And he, oh my goodness, it, it, it was just to, to see him get that crazy over a giant game, over the outcome of any sports game. And at the time, I didn't really understand it because I was kind of young at the time. And, you know, now I can certainly understand the passion that goes into, you know, th that the fans have for giant football, even though I'm kind of, you know, removed now from my fandom being a member of the media and whatnot. But, um, you know, what are some of your your favorite games that you either went to or watched on TV? What do you, what do you like most about, you know, what you've seen over the years? Uh, I've been to a couple really good ones. I was lucky enough to go to the NFC championship game in 2000 when they absolutely obliterated the, the Vikings. It's one of the very few games that I watched, let alone went to that. You knew the game was over within the first you know quarter or so. There's no way where they were losing that one. And the other one, that was really special was against uh, Denver when Eli had the fourth quarter comeback. I think they were down by about 14 points or so in the fourth quarter. And he ended up throwing a game winner. I think it was to Monty Toomer with a couple of seconds to go. And the place just went absolutely ballistic. Um, that was a fun memory. But my favorite of all time, you know, I was too young to remember the 86 uh, season. I was only five. And 90 was special. But the 2007 season and that Super Bowl, Number one, us getting there, as you know, was, you know, a feat in and of itself. But we had a, a party of about 20 people. We're all sitting there watching the game. The Patriots went ahead with 242 to go and or 232, somewhere around there. And my girlfriend at the time, she said, listen, they've been doing this all year. They always go down and they always come back. They've been doing it then. They're going to do it again. I'm like, no, they're not. They're the greatest team of all time. And, and <laughs> lo and behold, you know, the rest of the story, they march down the field and score and all of us just went, you know, just crazy. And uh, th that's something I'll never forget. That night was something truly special for not just me, but every Giant fan, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and the funny thing is, is I, of course, was at that 2007 uh, Super Bowl. And I, I always speak of that as being my favorite one um, in all the Super Bowls. And I've been to four out of the five Super Bowls that the Giants have been in. 
Um, the one I missed was 21, unfortunately, because I was just starting college that year. And I don't think my father trusted me to go out to California by myself. But anyway, the 2007 one, the, the running joke in my house is my, my husband was at that game, as was my mother-in-law. She had gone on a trip with a travel group. And wouldn't you know it, out of the three of us, who do you think had the best seat in the house? Not me. I can tell you that much. It was my husband who at the last second, I remember getting a ticket for him and he got to sit in the family section. How's that for a while? Wow. And, and he was in the lower level. Um, I think in the corner of the end zone, he sat in the family section and he's telling me, you know, he's at the time, I think we had blackberries uh, at the time. We didn't have the iPhones and he's, you know, sending me emails. Oh yeah. I'm sitting next to so-and-so and who's this person? You know, they claim that there's their son is this person. And then I'm sitting there going, you lucky son of a, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting, he's, he's, he's got the, the best seat in the house, but I, you know, look, I was happy for him because, he had missed out on the previous Super Bowl due to circumstances beyond any of our control. And to get him into that game, that was one of my crowning achievements, if you will, because I had promised him that if there were ever another Super Bowl, I would do everything in my power to get him in there. And fortunately, tickets opened up, so I was able to get them for him. But all right, you are listening to Lock on Giants with Patricia Trainer. It is a fan appreciation Friday. Joseph Zampella is my special guest. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be back with more of Joseph's memories and my memories as we uh, cap off this long week of uh, Giant football here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Have you tried the all new and improved Built Bar? If not, you're missing out on one of the industry's healthiest and tastiest snack treats that's loaded with protein and low on sugar. With 18 different flavors, including nut and non-nut variety, You'll enjoy healthy snacks covered in 100% chocolate that's soft and easy to chew and, most importantly, great for the health conscious. Built Bars are great for folks on the keto diet and include protein and fiber nutrients you need without the exorbitant calories. And use the code LOCKEDON at checkout to save $10 off your next purchase. Visit BuiltBar.com to check out their amazing offering of flavors and put your customized box together. And don't forget, use the code LOCKEDON at checkout to save $10 off your order. That's BuiltBar.com. Hey, Giant fans. This is Patricia Trainer, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. And welcome back, New York Giant fans, to Fan Appreciation Week. Patricia Trainer here with you on the Lockdown Giants podcast, and my special guest is Joseph Zampella, and we are talking 
giant's memories. You know, what better way than to go down the memories, especially after yesterday's program where we kind of went through a rough part, if you will, of giant's history. And, you know, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day off with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts and and joseph you know let's let's talk about more recent times you know the giants i don't have to tell you that you know the last decade was kind of rough i mean when you go through a decade like that you know i have to be there win or lose i have to you know i have a job to do and you know i so so that keeps me coming back but from a fan perspective what kept you from kind of giving up on the Giants and just keep coming back and hoping that things would get better? Well, that's exactly it. You know, it, it hope is just what propels you forward. You know, you always have, especially with this franchise, they've been down and out, but they've always come back. And you have the faith in the ownership that they're going to do the right thing and try and turn this thing around. And, you know, when we hired Dave, Dave Gettleman back in 2018, you know, he promised to do that. And with bringing in Joe Judge, and I mean, it's been a rough decade <laughs> or so since the Super Bowl, but you always just had this hope and faith that they were just going to turn things around. And I think after this past season, you know, I, I think we're definitely in good hands with Joe Judge and the way they've been drafting and the talent that they brought in here. So I really think the, the best days are, are yet to come for us, honestly. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But let, let's let's go back to that last Super Bowl, the one in 2011. You know, the Giants got in. Um, I think it was a nine and seven record and they upset the Patriots again. And I got to tell you, by the way, when the Giants had to face the Patriots in that Super Bowl, I was like, ah, not again, because they had just faced them in 2007. And I was really, really hoping for another team. And, you know, I, I tell people, and you probably heard me say it on this podcast, that was my least favorite Super Bowl, not just because they were playing the Patriots again, but also because I was just coming off cancer treatments and I really couldn't enjoy it the way I did 2007. But so they, so the Giants come back in 2012 and you start to see the slow decline. Were you surprised to see the Giants slide down the way they did? Or, or did you kind of like sit there and see it coming? Well, somewhat, anytime you win a Super Bowl, you know that things are probably only going to go down from there, which is one thing. But it's this string of just the bad losing, you know, the 4-12s, you know, those types of seasons that, especially in 2017 when everything imploded, just seemed that there was, you know, no end to it in sight. But yeah, I, I would never think it got as bad as it did. You know, the wilderness years, as some people like to call them. But um, you know, you just always have hope that they're going to come back and, and and get the right personnel and the right players and the right coaching back in place. Because you know, when you win, especially as an owner like John Mara, when you know what the taste of winning is like, you know how to get back to it in the shape or form. So he's taking the steps to do that now, I believe. You know, what irked me is I always felt that the Giants had at least one more championship run in them with Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin, you know, and I, I don't want to sit here and kind of beat my chest and, and say, I told you so, because I'm, I'm not proud of this. But when you saw the bad drafts start to pile up, I yeah, can remember definitely. saying to a, I can remember saying to a colleague, and I think I wrote this a, a, either in 2013, 2014. I said the Giants are setting themselves up for some hard times because they are swinging and missing on draft picks, and what so ended up many. happening is, 
Yeah. And what ended up happening is they, you know, they had to go to free agency and that is just, you know, I know fans like free agency because it's kind of like, you know, some early, if you will, gifts under the tree, but it's not the way to, to, to sustain and build a roster. And of course we saw that, you know, when Dave Gettleman came in here and he cleaned everything out and whatnot, but it just, to me, that led to that, that, streak of bad football and you mentioned the wilderness years and i tell people this all the time because a lot of younger people who don't remember the 1970s you know the early part actually mid 60s to the late 1970s the true wilderness years i mean you talk about lean years um <laughs> it's funny i was having a conversation with a, a colleague of mine and we were talking about how that was truly the years of what we called the the suck years yeah. um not not to diminish what the team just went through mind you but those were really really tough years and then you know you didn't have the stadium you didn't have a direction the personnel decisions were so bad and they just didn't have a plan and i just think it's a testament to to the fans who who you know Every year that you get your heart broken during the le- the losing streaks, and you know you're talking about 2012 through 2000, I guess you could say through 2020, and you just keep coming back and back and back with that new renewed hope. And I, I just think it says a lot about you know people like yourself and the rest of the Giant fans that you, you just don't give up, that you continue to spend the money to see that on the tickets and the merchandise and 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 just come back yeah definitely and it's funny because i talk to people who you know who've been through the 70s and, and all that and i ask them is this is this as bad as then They're like no it's not even close it says, no no matter how bad it seems it was worse then and that's why 1986 was such a godsend to the franchise because it was all that all that angst and everything just coming out with that super bowl victory and that's why it was so special it, it definitely was. I mean, that year, you know, if, if you're if you're ranking favorite Super Bowls, and like I said, I've I've been fortunate enough to see all all of them. That one was really special because that was a team. You, you just saw what they were building, and you know, even now, I tell Giant fans who who are grumbling about the decisions that are being made or why it's taking so long. Just be patient. They'll they'll get there. You got to remember they started off with, with a little bit of a handicap, if you will, because 2018 Dave Gettleman came in here, and let's face it, that draft class wasn't really you know a winner. The last two drafts I think were were better, but you you also look at the fact that you had um, a different coaching staff, and what a lot of fans I don't think realize is that. The coaching staff goes to the GM and says, hey, I need A, B, C, and D. And the GM basically brings in those players. So that's why you saw, for example, in 2019, you saw a ton of St. Louis, Arizona Cardinal players being brought in for the defense. That was because James Betcher wanted his guys in and, and, you know, now you have a different coaching staff in and you got to clean out those guys and bring in all new guys and people just, I, I, I think, and I understand because there's, there's that need to want to see results yesterday, but there's a whole process involved. It takes a long time to, to reconstruct an entire franchise from the ground up as far as personnel. So it takes about three to four years and we're finally starting to see that, you know, I, I don't think gentlemen made the right decision with Pat Shermer. You know, but that's now in the past. But I think he hit a home run with Joe Judge and the way that they're working with this franchise from here on forward. 
And you saw that this year. You know, the first seven games with no offseason, no preseason games or anything, they struggled to get their footing. But once everyone finally settled in, I think you're finally starting to see the product that they're going to be. And now you just add in a few more key areas, you know, a pass rusher, wide receiver, maybe another corner to go opposite James Bradbury. I think you're going to really see, you know, a contending team this year. I, I'm honestly, I have expectations of playoffs for this season. You know, call me crazy, but I think they have the talent to do it. I'm with you, my friend. And you know what? Let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll talk about the future of this franchise and our expectations and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, who we want in the draft and free agency. So let's take that final break. And when we come back, more on this Fan Appreciation Friday. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your sportsbook expert. And welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. It is a Fan Appreciation Friday with Patricia Trena and special guest Joseph Zampella, a longtime Giant fan, one of the first of our longtime listeners here on the Locked on Giants podcast that we'll be speaking with as far as their memories and expectations and hopes for the future of Giants football. And uh, betting on the New York Giants doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wages, not just on Giants football when it's in season, but all your sporting events. Subscribe to the Lock on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And Joseph, let's talk now about the future. You know, we've kind of dabbled a little bit on it. Um, Joe Judge, the expectations, what we like. Be honest with me. When you were first starting to hear about Joe Judge and what he was doing and how he was running the program, be honest with me. What was your initial reaction? Bill Parcells has arrived again. <laughs> <laughs> Very astute, my friend. It's just the discipline that this franchise needed. You know, over the last few years, it just seemed like things were a little too lax and loose. And he, he brings the discipline and uh, the structure that the, the franchise needed at this time. And a direction, too. You know, you hear yes. so many head coaches come in and they say, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it sounds great. And then they actually, you know, when it comes time to do it, they don't have a clue how to do it, you know, which is unfortunately what happened to Ben McAdoo and what happened with uh, Pat Shermer. And, uh, you, you know, we didn't, like you said, there was no off season. You know, we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants from this, this new global pandemic world. I mean, but once, you know, you kind of saw what the Giants were putting together, especially early on when you saw those first four games, I mean, did the quality of football kind of change your mind as to what you have seen in the past? Absolutely. They were losing games, but they weren't losing games by much. And you knew that once they started to get it together, that they would start to win. You know, that first game against you know Pittsburgh, 
and you know, the, the media, uh, everyone was saying, well, you know, it's going to be a tough victory and this and that. And then Roethlisberger and they have a you know stout defense. How are they going to score points? Now, they played pretty well up in that game up until about the fourth quarter when Daniel Jones had that crippling interception uh, in the red zone. But he said, well, you know, if we can hang with them in this way with no offseason, you know, as long you know, with Andrew Thomas finally gets his footing at left tackle, you know, Saquon, unfortunately, you know, his injury occurred. But you would figure the wide receivers would get on the same page with Daniel Jones and the new offensive system under J- Jason Garrett. We just, I don't know, we just had a feeling that this was different. Yeah, we were losing, but this isn't the way we were losing before, that we're heading in a direction and we're getting better. We're improving every game. You know, and that finally you know, came to head later on in the season. Good point, too, because I think the Giants only got blown out, I want to say, in three games. It was the 49ers game, Arizona, yeah. and Baltimore. They were otherwise competitive in their other games. And, you know, it wasn't like in the past where, you know, there would be a major breakdown on defense where guys were looking at each other like, what just happened? You know, you yeah. didn't see that a lot, which, which was certainly nice to see. Now, let me ask you about the makeup of the roster. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. You know, there's still some questions as to whether or not Daniel Jones is the guy um, there's still people who are debating the, the, the worthiness of, of picking Saquon Barkley back in 2018 with the second overall pick. There's questions about the offensive line, the receivers and the tight ends. There's questions across the board on offense. Let's start with Daniel Jones. What are your thoughts about him, and do you think he is the guy? I definitely think he's the guy, and he has what it takes. He's only going into year three. He's been in through two offensive systems. He had a receiving core that's not very stellar. You have to remember last season of the, I think it was 12 interceptions that Daniel Jones had. I think six of them were charged. Evan Ingram's dropped either bounced off his hands or a wrong route. You know, in 2019, we saw what he had in a different system under Pat Shermer with pretty much the same receivers, except that you had Saquon Barkley in the lineup. I mean, you bring him back, you bring him a couple more weapons. And now that the offensive line is improving, I think you're going to see a much different Daniel Jones in, in 2021. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens there. I mean, obviously, they've got to get some playmakers. You know, you look at Eli Manning when he came in in 2004. He had Plaxico. Um, well, not in 2004, but he eventually got Plaxico. He had a Monty tumor. He had some tall receivers. And I think, you know, a, a lot of people don't understand why that makes a difference. It gives you a nice big target if you're a quarterback, especially if you've got, you know, defenders mucking up your sight line. And, you you know, it's nice to see a guy raising his hand saying, hey, I'm open, as opposed to maybe a smaller receiver. Not to mention you're talking a bigger catch radius. You're talking, you know, usually a stronger, more physical receiver for those contested uh, catches. So I would love to see the Giants come away with a taller receiver. I don't know, though, that it's going to necessarily come in free agency. I know a lot of Giant fans want to see either Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson. But, you know, this is a pretty deep class for receivers and big receivers. And I, I don't know if it makes sense to, to you know, spend $18 million upwards on a big receiver. And I'm just kind of wondering, what are you, what's your perspective on that? I think you should go for, even if it's not a true number one in free agency, you want to get a uh, just one, okay? And then after that, uh, just get one in the draft. So a true number one does two things for you. Number one, 
uh, it's a bigger target, like you said, but it also alleviates the pressure of the other receivers on the field. Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, they're going to have less coverage, so they'll be able to probably make more plays. You know, you have the big three coming out here. You have Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. You have to hope and pray that one of them falls to 11. If not, you know, you have Pitts, uh, the, the tight end. But you definitely need a playmaker in this draft, no matter where it is. You know, if they don't pick those three, if they don't follow us, you know the, the fan base is going to go crazy. But I'm sure they'll be able to find depth in either the second or third round. They need to come away with playmakers this year for sure. Yeah, and you know, this is an even deeper class at, at receiver than it was last year. And last year, everybody was talking about how it was a historically deep class. But let's talk offensive line for a minute because, you know, I was kind of surprised. I understood why Joe Judge did it, but still I was surprised to see the Giants rely so heavily on a rotation. I thought that that really didn't, you know, help things. I, I And again, I know why Joe Judge did it. Um, to get these guys live reps. And I remember I asked Eli Manning about that. I, I said, look, you know, is does that affect a quarterback? And you know what, Eli, Eli would say that, you know, a broken hand wouldn't affect him, you know, because that's just yeah. the kind of guy Eli was. But, but you know, in talking with quarterback coaches and, and scouts and whatnot, they do think to a degree that it could affect a quarterback because, you know, let's say you have um, Cam Fleming, a veteran, in a right tackle, and now you take him out and you put Matt Parrott in there. Is Matt Parrott going to pick up a stunt or block a guy the way Cam Fleming would? And and there's just, you know, that, that I guess that tele, uh, that what's that word? Um, where they're on the mental, the same mental page, the quarterback and the offensive lineman. But uh, that said, I mean, Having seen what you saw of the offensive line, which is now going on its third offensive line coach, I mean, how encouraged are you by what you've seen, or are you still worried about this unit? It's still a little bit concerning. You know, we don't have a right tackle right now. I mean, Cam Fleming did a good job. Matt Parrott is still in a developmental stage. You know, uh, Kevin Zeitler, I think you definitely need to resign him because he's the anchor of the right side of the line. Nick Gates has been doing very, very well. Then you have, you know, Will Hernandez, who has really saw his playing time diminish over the second half of the season. And Shane Lemieux, he's, he's a great uh, run-blocking uh, offensive lineman, but his pass protection is suspect. And Andrew Thomas is doing much better as the year went on. And we learned that he had a broken foot throughout some of the season. So that was probably, you know, in part due to a lot of his struggles. But you definitely need to come away with another offensive lineman in this draft or free agency. You know, there are going to be a few to target. But I would think that the draft would be the way to go as well for that. And can we talk about Evan Ingram? I mean, sweetheart of a guy. You know, I, I can't say enough good things about him as a person. But as a player, I mean, look up the word coach killer in the dictionary and you will probably find his picture next to it. He just teases you just enough with his talent and then something goes wrong. I mean, what are your thoughts on Evan Ingram? Do you think he, you know, is all lost with him? Do you want to see him maybe replaced down the line? What are your thoughts? Well, he's been in the league for over four years now. To me, he is what he is. He he has amazing talent, but and I understand he's a nice guy, but this is a production-based league. And when you're dropping balls left and right and they're leading to turnovers, and this has been consistent throughout his entire career so far, so, I mean, as far as the financial hit, he's not much because he's picking up this fifth-year option. But this is his make-or-break year. I would definitely keep him on the roster and keep him rotated in. 
I would definitely bring in another tight end in case it doesn't work out. But, at, you know, if he doesn't produce this season or doesn't show great improvement with that, I think this is the end of, of Evan Ingram in a giant uniform. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you on that. Just just really really frustrating because you know he has the talent, but that case of the yips just drove me nuts. But yeah. let's talk real quick about the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the defense was really I thought surprising considering you know they had a lot of new faces, a brand new scheme. They played pretty well. They even managed to to generate a pass rush. I mean. Were you surprised with what you saw, and, and and what do you still see as a weakness that you would like to see the Giants address on that defensive side of the ball? I was really surprised. You know, I knew that we had a, a decent secondary, and but James Bradbury was a question mark coming into the year. You didn't know that he was going to be almost on an all-pro level. You know, corner two is still a little suspect, although Julian Love played well down the stretch, and I think as he gets more time and gets more comfortable in the role, why they took so long to try him out there with other people throughout the year that played in this position at first, I don't know. But the defensive line, I mean, Leonard Williams, you know, people killed Dave Gettleman for that move. But, oh, my God. I mean, 11 and a half sacks, and I think it was 40 throughout the entire defense. Patrick Graham just did an absolutely amazing job. And when he came over from Miami, you really didn't know what you had because he ran a different scheme over there. And just he was just an unbelievable year for this defense. And now if you can just get a true pass rusher, and a solid corner, too. I mean, with the linebackers that you have and Xavier McKinney coming off of his injury and the way that, you know, Jabil Preppers has been playing, I mean, the sky's the limit. And as any Giant fan, you can probably expect a top five, top seven defense next year for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, final question for you. Who is the one player, whether it be in the draft or free agency, that if the Giants were able to get, would absolutely make the difference for you in your mind? Shaq Barrett. We need that game-changing, pass-rushing element to the defense because him paired up with Leonard Williams and hopefully Lorenzo Carter comes back and you know improves on what he had last year, this defense is going to be downright scary. But, I mean, we can always get you know a wide receiver, whether it's the draft or free agency, but the true pass rusher, that quality pass rusher, it's not easy to get. Even if they have to pay more money, it'd be worth doing. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just the problem, though, you know, with the, the salary cap. Now, I do think the Giants are going to be able to trim away some money, but you only have so much so much resources available, and you've still got plenty of needs. And, you know, going back to something you said earlier in the pod, you, you said that you felt that the Giants were going to be a playoff team. I agree with you. I'm not so sure, though, that I think that they're going to make a push for the Super Bowl yet. I think they're going to knock on the door, maybe get in as a wild card team, and then we'll we'll just take it from there. But I think they're a couple years away, maybe, from really, really being a serious contender. That's just my take, based on what I see. Well, that is true. I'll be honest with you, Patty. If they win nine games, if they finish over 500 and show that they're going in the right direction, as fans, we'd be perfectly happy with that, too, as well. But we have to set lofty expectations, and hopefully they'll get there. Yeah, fingers crossed, because I know uh, to see the agony 
over the years on, on Twitter from from giant fans who were just beside themselves with the losses and you know I, I joke about it sometimes on Twitter I say gosh I hope I remember how to write about a win and people people don't understand it you know I, I mean this in all sincerity it is much easier for the media to cover a winning football team than it is a losing football team there are more stories more quality stories I think in in covering a winning team than a losing team and, you know, people say, well, yeah, but there's a lot of gossip and, you know, splintering and, and you know, juicy stuff. Who cares about that stuff? I, I, I've never been one for that. But, you know, I do think the Giants are, are finally turning on the right direction. And, you know, look, they're going to hopefully be able to have fans in the stadium this year. You know, we'll, fingers crossed. I, I know it's still too early yet. Um, my understanding, though, is that the season ticket vouchers went out, I think, um, and and they they're actually charging for an extra game this year in anticipation of 17 games being played. So that's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, we're only in February, but I'm looking forward to this all getting started again sooner than later. Absolutely, and I can't wait. If they have fans there, I will be there the first game, waiting as long as I need to wait to go in. <laughs> that's dedication i love it joseph before we call it a show tell everybody uh if you want to that is um if they can find you on social media or anything uh, else you want to say to your fellow giant fans no to the giant fans hang in there things are getting better if you want me on twitter my uh my twitter handle is uh, joey z at molten centra 81 all right, there you have it. Fan Appreciation Friday. And uh, Joe, let me just say again, thank you so much for tuning into the Locked on Giants podcast. Really appreciate it. I mean, fans like you are why I do what I do, why I enjoy it so much. You know, I, I enjoy the uh, these shows. Um, I thought this was a great Fan Friday uh, show. I, I enjoy the Twitter Tuesdays, the mailbags that I do over a Giants country. And, and really, folks, I, I mean it from the bottom of my, of my heart. Thank you. There are so many giant writers and bloggers and, and podcasters out there. So for you to take time out of your schedules to read me, to listen to me, I appreciate it. And Joe, I appreciate you. Stay warm. Stay safe. Giant fans will be back next week with a new mock draft Monday. We'll have Twitter Tuesday next week and the usual. We'll try to get some, you know, some other guests coming on for next week as well here on the Locked on Giants podcast for Joe Zampella. This is Patricia Trainer.